Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Um, I have a story today about a gentleman that comes for a session and I'm going to randomly pick a name for him and I'm going to call him Roger. And he starts off his session and says to me, I'm in therapy and my therapist has suggested that I see you and that I am stuck in therapy. So we know I'm stuck at something. We've been working at trying to blow past it, but I'm not supposed to tell you what it is. So she's just told me that I can come and see you and tell you that and that I am to record it and that I'm to bring it back to her so she can listen to it. And she's hoping that you're just going to give some pieces of information that are going to make sense to her so that she knows how to guide me through the next step of therapy. And I said, that's fine. He goes, so I'm recording this. Cool. And he says, so go wide open. She said a wide open session. So I asked the guides, what, what are they looking for? So what's going on? And the guide said, well, we want to show you right back to birth. We want to bring you to um, him in his crib and what he's like. And you're just sp- supposed to listen and observe. So you know what it's like when you get like the TV screen mm-hmm. and you get to see and hear things like it's a movie. Plus you have a guide standing right behind you or pardon me, right beside you, narrating, telling you what you're supposed to be learning out of this movie. And all I get to see here is a child whose temperament is just lovely. He's born where he's just easy and coos and just is so, so quiet and easygoing. And they said, tell him that. And I'm like, okay. So I said, well, they're showing me that your temperament right from birth is very easygoing, very gentle. And he goes, you mean my personality? And I said, no, they said temperament. And he goes, well, what's the difference? He goes, isn't your temperament your personality? And I said, well, time out. I said, can I have a moment? You're asking me to explain something and I'm not a therapist. So I said, so the best I'm going to do is what I know about the difference between temperament and personality. But you can go back to your therapist or you can go online to Google. You can do all kinds of things and look at it. Wikipedia, whatever you want. I said, but my understanding is that temperament is something that you are born with. And he go, and I said, that's why they're showing that it's right in the crib, like it's right from birth and that you're easygoing from birth. Like you adapt to new environments, new situations with great ease. And that's not as a result of the environment around you yet. That's how you came to the planet. And he says to me, wow, like, I think I need a whole other session just for you to explain to me what happens on the other side that you come to earth with a temperament. And he goes, so then personality gets developed after you come to earth with all of the different things that happen to you. Is that what you mean? And I said, to the best of my knowledge, that's correct. So he goes, so my understanding is, is that my temperament then is I'm easygoing. And then what happens, Karen? So I went back and I continued to watch and I told him, I said, I have to go back and I have to watch and get more information. I'll download a bunch and then I'll come back and tell you again. So then the guides show how his mom comes along 
And she really likes the fact that his temperament is like this. And she kisses him and hugs him and she really enjoys it. But then I start to see that there are many other children older than him around that bring her attention to them. And she's annoyed. So she has this annoyance around being distracted from how nice this is with him. And she goes to meet the other children's needs because they're fighting or they're loud or whatever it is, how they're getting her attention. And then eventually I notice that over time, because his temperament is so gentle and he's not making noise like the other kids, she doesn't think it's important anymore to get over there to meet his needs. She sees the other children who are bothering her, which are triggering her anger and how she responds when her anger is triggered, that she picks them over him. And then eventually, like, he really isn't getting his needs met. And so she notices that some of his older siblings, Kelly, his older siblings would be like six years old, four years old, um, go over and like put the soother in his mouth or put the blanket over him or pet him or kind of like push his bum and shake him. And I'm thinking, well, how do they know to do that? So you know how they turn up the volume so you can hear things. And I hear his mom instructing the children to do things for him while she's off doing other things. And I notice that she's now off doing other things where she's trying to get in things for herself. So she's trying to have a tea. She's trying to have a rest. She's trying to have a nap on the couch. And she's like, okay, could you go over there? Can you do this? Can you do that? And so you literally see that as he ages, and again, through watching what we would call the TV screens, you see him getting bigger and bigger. You see siblings raising siblings. And then I see that after him, I see other children coming along. So I said, Roger, I said, you have a huge family. And he goes, I do. And I said, you are in the middle. You are somewhere in the middle there. And I said, as you, as you grow, and as the guides are showing this, children younger than you and older than you get more attention than you because you have the most easygoing of the personalities in a very large family. And he goes, I would say that's very true, Karen. He says, and I would say that's true to this very day as well. And he goes, could you continue? This is actually helpful. And I'll explain why later. And I said, no worries. So I asked the guides, what else do you want to tell him? And they said, well, we want you to see how he plays and what happens around play. So I get to see where him and his siblings, or pardon me, I get to see where his siblings are all going to run outside and say, play on their bikes and go for a bike ride or go out into the backyard and play with each other and neighborhood friends type of thing. And I watch the siblings invite each other to go play outside. Hey, the ki- you know, the neighborhood kids are coming over. We're all going to play baseball. Do you want to come? But I don't see him being invited. I see where all of the other kids kind of go outside and play. And then he pops up and kind of looks around and sees oh, everybody's moving. Uh, what's going on? You know, they're getting up, they're running, they're getting excited. Oh, I see them putting their coat and their boots on or, you know, running shoes. So he jumps up and he goes. And the guides say to me, he happens to be there. 
he happens. And I'm like, okay, but they're purposely stressing the word happens. And I said, okay, what what are you wanting him to know about that? Well, he's never invited. He's not thought of. He happens by observation to see what's going on and brings himself to include himself in all of these things. But he's the one that has to make the effort. And if he doesn't make the effort, Karen, then he's always feeling left out. And when he does engage with his siblings and the neighborhood kids and the friends and goes outside and participates, they often forget that he's there. So they'll split the teams and he'll be standing there like they didn't even see him and they'll just start the game. And he'll have to actually ask somebody whose team he's on. And quite often, they don't, they don't, nobody seems to care. So he puts himself on one of the teams. And he, the guides explain and use the word, he accidentally happens upon events. And I'm like, he accidentally happens. I said, what the hell? And they said, you're going to explain it because, and we want you to use those two words, because it's going to explain some things. Go ahead, tell them. And so I'm a little bit lost in that point. I do understand what I'm supposed to say, but I don't know how it's supposed to play out in his current life. So I tell Roger all of that, Kelly, and he says to me, oh, God. He goes, you're totally explaining to me how I currently feel and what's going on in my life and what brought me to therapy. And he says, could you just continue? He says, I could give you so many validations, Karen. And he says, but I think I'm just going to do what the guides have said so far what the therapist asked me to do, and be a listener, and let you keep doing this. I said, okay. And the guide say to me, he thinks he has social anxiety. And I'm, I'm, you know, Kelly, I had to take a pause and sit there and go, social anxiety. And then I'm thinking about this whole situation where he's never included, where he never feels a part of anything, where he has to join on his own. Could you imagine going to a volleyball game? I know you play volleyball. Imagine going and seeing two teams and not knowing which team you're on. Mm. The amount of anxiety you would have whether you're even supposed to go when you know that there's a game. And he and so I said to him um, about the social anxiety, I said, is that correct? The guides are saying that you think you have it. And he goes, yes. <laughs> He goes, he goes, absolutely I do. It's a huge issue in my marriage. He goes, because my wife wants us to be involved with her friends. She has no social anxiety. She does not have a family like mine, but she's trying to understand where I come from. So she heard the term social anxiety, and she really believes that I have it. So she's asked me to go to therapy over it because it's affecting it's affecting our relationship. Mm -hmm. And he says, I really love my wife and I don't want to lose my marriage. And he says, so I'm more than willing to go. And he said, and I'm, I'm looking to see what's going on in my life and why I behave the way I do. And that's not her responsibility to do those things for me. So I'm trying to show up. He says, so I'm in therapy and I'm, I'm trying to show up, but my therapist is trying to figure out why I have social anxiety. And I said, well, if you told her all of that about your childhood, why wouldn't she know? And he goes, because I can't remember my damn childhood. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. This is why she sent me. I'm coming to therapy saying I have social anxiety and I'm talking about my current feelings and I'm talking about the current ways that I'm going through things, but I'm really struggling with the way that I'm expressing myself 
And I think that when the therapist asks me and is correct and is making proper assumptions about my childhood, I'm brickwalling her because I'm in, a, I'm in disagreement, but she's pointed out to me that I'm only in disagreement over things I can't even remember. So she's super frustrated with me. And he says, so now, he says, you're telling me exactly what happened in my childhood. And he goes, I cannot believe that you've done it right from birth and explained it, that it goes that far back. He says, but I would really imagine that my therapist is going to be so happy to know this and so happy to know the connection to my mother so that she can help me understand the connection that I don't put my wife into the same position as my mother or that, you know, I try and make my wife my siblings. Or I don't know what. He says, I feel like I'm just such a hot mess. And he goes, I'm really grateful that before I even go back to therapy, I can go back and start to try and think about some of these things. And he says, but you've been accurate about that I'm middle child and that I've got all these siblings. He says, you're even talking about what's currently happening about Christmas. And he, and he says, can I have a moment to tell you? And I said, yes, go right ahead. And he goes, well, he says, typically, he says, I have to call someone in my family, some of my siblings, and ask what's going on for Christmas. I'm never told. I'm never invited. It always comes out that my wife has to say to me, what's going on with your family for Christmas? She always has to ask, and I always never know. So she's always annoyed that I never know. And she thinks it's because I don't stay engaged or she thinks it's my fault. And he says, but you're actually really explaining to me that it isn't my fault because I will say that I've spoken to two or three of my siblings and I still don't know. And she's super frustrated because even though I've spoken and had three or four conversations, I still don't know. And he says, and I don't understand why I still don't know because I'm asking and he says, and then I tell her, and she doesn't believe me, which makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because if you're asking a direct question, you, you think there's going to be an answer. Yes. And so now he's learning that his siblings have been taught, and that like by each other and by mom in particular, and dad comes out too eventually in his session, that so much information about what's going on in the family is with. With, is withheld from him. And he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't totally understand. He wants to know, like, are they picking on him on purpose? Do they hate him? Like, where did all of this come from? And when he hears how it starts when they're four, and when they're, you know, five and six and seven years old, you want to call that subconscious. You don't want to think that four and five-year-olds are sitting there going, we're going to pick on that baby. They're, they're just being taught that way, I'll call it by osmosis, and by training in that family with those parents. And so now he's starting to understand, oh my God, they all treat me this way. And sometimes, like, you know, I'm pulling my hair out thinking, why do they hate me? What did I do to them? And he goes, but it isn't, what did I do to them? I did nothing. The answer is nothing. Yeah, I guess you don't also really know how the siblings are being invited to everything either, right? It could be that the oldest child of all of these children decided I'm going to play baseball and getting on my bike. And the next youngest was just like, well, I'm following you. 
and maybe didn't get invited either. And maybe the third one down was also like, well, where are you guys going? And followed, right? Like no one might have had a direct invitation to anything and they might all be struggling with the exact same thing that he is, but they're all suffering alone potentially. Yeah. And and this very much, Kelly, comes up in questions that he asks the spirit guides and um, in an attempt to understand intention. And if it's purposefully done, is it currently purposefully done? Is it such a deep pattern within the family that it was subconscious at first? Is it conscious now? Like he really mm-hmm. asks the spirit guides. And I want to say the answer in that regard was that at the very beginning, it is completely subconscious. Mm-hmm. It is completely this is the way they're trained, but it's also some of the stuff that you just said. Because I would imagine some of the siblings, older and younger, just got used to fending for themselves and asking direct questions or even initiating plans because they didn't want to get left out, right? So you may have a second or third child saying, this is what we're all doing, let's go, or this is what I've arranged, let's go, and just kind of hoping that it would trickle down to the rest of them um, because they probably all fear being left out, as we all do. That's a, that's a human fear, even if you do have JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. Mm-hmm. Thank you for explaining that so that people can understand um, the other children's perspective because I'm really trying to tell the story from Rogers. Um, in his session, we had a really good discussion around um, what it would have been like for his siblings in their own levels of confusion But that was just a human conversation between the two of us at Mm -hmm. one point. We're asked for a timeout to say, hey, can we discuss this just for a second? Some of this is just my own opinion. And he went, yep, that's fine. And then I would say, okay, I'm going back into the channeling and I'm asking the guides. Or he might say to me, can you stop giving me your opinion right now? Can you ask the guides for me what my sibling is saying about that? And and that was really good because he would say something to me like, can you ask my second oldest sister, the second oldest girl in the family? Because she is the one that organizes all the Christmas dinners, all the... Exactly. Second oldest. Probably got so fearful of being left out from the oldest that they started taking initiative and started leading the family. Yeah. And and he goes, okay, I think my therapist can help me help me with this because there probably is dynamics as to what goes on in the order in a family. 100%. Yeah. Okay. When there's some level of dysfunction and unhealthiness with the parents based on whatever that is, right? And the dysfunction of the parents could simply be that there were too many fucking children and mom was tired. Right? Like where it's not actually a conscious, I want to fuck up my children. I, you know, don't want to be there for them. It could simply be the times, the access to birth control, the access to resources, where it's just like, I am tired. Please let me sleep and take care of your brother because we need to be a unit. Okay. And the intention is actually to love and care for, but she needed a village and the village just happened to be her fucking children. Okay, bingo. So that was the next part of the of his session, actually. He asked eventually, Kelly, about his mom and her intention. And you she's meeting his needs in the crib and is happy with his, dis- pardon me, his temperament and then realizes, oh my God, I have an opportunity to meet a little bit of my own. Like she wanted to be there in the beginning, 
And then she helped siblings help him. Like, I don't see any desire to neglect. It, that is the spot on answer when he asks the spirit guides what her intent was. She, she was trying to find balance. That's exactly what it was. And he wanted to know all of the, the contributing factors that pushed her from that loving mom that looked at him and went, oh my God, one with ease. I could love this one so much. And really wanted to lean into that in that moment with that child. And then went the opposite direction. And those were some of the answers, as well as a husband who... Um, had to provide for all of these fucking children? Yes. And I want to say something about the dad. He wanted to love them too. Right. He had full intention to have a family where he really wanted to love his wife and his kids. But because there were religious beliefs around birth control, a society that said it was taboo to have a condom, to have any kind of birth control. Um, he felt pressured by his religious community where he went to these events and there were big families and the bigger the family, the better. He felt so stressed because his career didn't afford that kind of an income to have an endless amount of children. What does? Oh, I have no idea like, what does. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's sad because you think like, sounds like they loved each other. Yes. Sounds like they loved their children. And even mom laying in bed, like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get a nap in here. My kid is easy and it's just going to take a couple pats, you know, soothes, soother from another kid. She might be laying in bed very grateful for Roger, sending mm -hmm. him love and thanks that she can actually nap because he's so easy. And yet you have the little baby who's just like, but where's mom? Yes. And then it's explained to him, too, that over time, um, because his temperament is, is easy, it, and currently still is, except that now it's easy slash stressed. <laughs> well, now you're talking about a temperament mixed with a personality, and yes. the personality is the mask so that they can protect themselves in this world. Yes. So you can still have an easy temperament, but have a personality that develops that hides the pain that you're feeling. From not getting your needs met. Yes, good. So a lot of these things are expressed and, and told to him through the spirit guides. And it's also then explained to him that his dad ends up having to take more than one job because he's he doesn't make enough income in one job to pay all of these bills. So he's neglectful. He's seen as not being there. And his wife is angry because he's at work so much. And even though he tries to explain it constantly that he's working so many jobs to put food on the table, she's still angry because she's alone with all of these children with no birth control and no end in sight. So now she's blaming him because every time they have sex, she's getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. They and they they just they just don't know what to do with this mess because they don't see leaving the religion or shutting down society's beliefs as an option. So there ha there, there's more than the family in the house. And remember, too, there was a time, and then I, well, fuck, this is, I'm going to kick myself for saying this. The time has come back around in some states um, where medical practitioners didn't take care of you if you weren't following religious practices. Yes. So even if they looked at each other and said, 
honey, I love you. Let's make sure we're not getting pregnant, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of options. A doctor might look at her and be like, I can't help you. I won't help you because this is against my religion. Because you're only 30 or you're only 28, but you've already got eight kids. Mm -hmm. But because you're so young, we don't believe in tying your tubes or, or helping you anyway with any kind of birth control because you're under the age of what we deem and what we deem, not what she's personally going through and how many kids are behind her. Uh, how about just her desires? Oh, period. I agree with all of that. I know you do. I'm just outlining it for people who might be like, yeah, oh yeah, wait, the fundamental thing. She's allowed to want that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's really explained to him how it, it starts out with lots of love between his parents. It starts out with love to have the family and to, and to have these children. And then it goes so sideways because of the religion and because of the expectations of society. And as you say, like different, different pieces of society, you've pointed out one medical community and there's so much anger. There's so much going on in the home now on a day-to-day basis that as they, as they grow, because now he's a full grown adult, as you can hear, he's married, he's got his own kids that he's really struggling and they are all really struggling because what's happened now is these behaviors and the consequences of them, the expectations and the consequences of them really have everybody angry and really entrenched in the way that they're behaving without calling any of that to question to say, hmm, this didn't go down right in this family. And the way that we treat one particular person in the family isn't right. And we should sit down and take a look at that. His siblings aren't doing that. And when he calls and he questions them, because he's, remember, he's in therapy, right? And he's got a wife that's saying, this isn't normal. This isn't healthy. My family doesn't do this. My friends don't do that. Sweetheart, come into healthiness. And she's trying to invite him into this. And he's thinking, okay. And he wants to participate, but he thinks it's social anxiety. Well, it is. I mean, I mean, we can't discredit that it is social anxiety. You're just talking about a specific way it was developed. Right. I'd have social anxiety too if I was never technically invited to anything. Right. Always questioning and looking outside of myself to see, am I actually welcome here? Do people actually want me here? Do people even notice if I'm here? Do people notice if I'm gone? Yeah. So we got into that kind of conversation about a particular Christmas where, well, two of them actually, one of them where he actually is he, he invites himself because he hears through other siblings. So he calls that sister and says, hey, I hear you're having Christmas. And she goes, mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, you didn't call. Like, you didn't tell me. Well, whatever. But she doesn't address it. And she just changes the subject. So he goes back to discuss that with his wife. So I just want to say in that particular situation, like, That is not social anxiety. That's not the experience of social anxiety. In that situation, you are experiencing anxiety as a product of verbal abuse. Okay. And there's two different things because you can have generalized anxiety. You can have social anxiety as well. But in an isolated event like that, she is exhibiting verbal abuse in the form of withholding. Yes. Which creates natural response of anxiety in the other individual. Yes. So so you've described how that conversation got broken down to Roger in the session. And then he got referred to the book, The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans, because he didn't know the forms of verbal abuse. Yeah. And I said, 
you need that book, Roger, because your siblings and your mother have all come to use the forms of verbal abuse, particularly with you, but they're doing it to each other too, to their own partners, to their own kids. This has become verbal abuse, and you need to know it so that you understand the withholding, the avoiding, the dismissing, the diverting, all of, and he goes, hmm? And social anxiety ends up being a product of fearing more verbal abuse, right? So if that's what's happening with one of or many of the siblings, then in any social situation or anticipation of social situation, Roger is looking at people like, okay, am is it going to be withhold, withheld from me? Am I going to be included? Do they really want me here? All those questions that I had already kind of gone over. And so there is anxiety about socializing because he anticipates he will be verbally abused again. Yes. So uh, thank you. And th so this is discussed in the session. We have to take a time out to actually be Karen so I can say, hey, here's this book. Here are these forms of verbal abuse. And Roger says to me in the session, are you willing to explain to me those top four that you just said? Can you tell those to me? Because I believe that I'm experiencing that and I've been experiencing that with all of my siblings and my mother and father it, currently in my life and through my entire life. So I did. And then he said, now can you go back into the channeling and can you tell me more? And the guide said, yes. And then they went right in and they, they showed a couple of different Christmas events where he speaks and confronts his sister about that. But the most recent Christmas event is where he didn't ask any of his brothers and sisters, and um, he decided just that if it wasn't coming up, not to, because his wife asked him to do something with her family. And he decided, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do something with them. I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to do anything. And he got to see it completely played out, that if he doesn't do all of the work to initiate the calls to his siblings, to ask the questions, Multiple to times. dig, yeah. yes, to do the digging, that he's not invited. It's like it is a closed group, and he's got to push his way in. And he said, Karen, I really appreciate what you're doing, because you're validating my feelings, my thoughts, the patterns that I'm in. And my wife is questioning all of that, saying, why the hell should you have to call and push and beg? Screw them. Let's create our own Christmases. Let's do with our own family. Let's invite our own friends. Let's invite the neighbors. Let's, in, let's, however, let's go to my own family stuff. But we have to figure out what family is. So he has found a beautiful partner that's helping him understand this. However, it, that relationship kind of is getting pooped on a little bit. Well, more than a little bit. Because there's still the contamination of his own family where he's trying to get back into it and he's trying to figure out what's going on that creates confusion and challenging conversations where his wife is not willing to argue, she's not willing to fight, she's willing to speak to him calmly and rationally and invite him to the table to create a new family. He says, I found gold with this woman. And he said, I'm in therapy because I recognize I've got gold. I recognize that she's bringing me to healthier relationships. He says, when I go off with my wife and we create our own Christmas, I'm so much happier than when I tried to fight to get back into the one with my family. 
And he says, but there's a part of me, he says, and I don't know if the word is grieving or not. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. He says, but am I grieving it, Karen? He says, can you actually grieve people who didn't want you to begin with? You have to. (laughs) Or that's another block that your therapist is going to send you back to Karen for. (laughs) Yes. And so he gets this answer and he goes, okay, that's going to be for another session. And he goes with you and he goes, and that's probably going to be many sessions (laughs) with my therapist. That's good to recognize that it's not going to be a one and done. Yes. Because grief is not a one and done. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's a gold statement, Kelly. So he thanks me because we're getting to the end of the session. He had booked like a 90 minute session. This took us a long time. And I'm pointing out the duration was 90 minutes on purpose because he chose to show up and say, okay, my therapist said go open and there's lots of issues and blocks and I don't really know what Karen, how much time she's going to need. But he said, you know, he said, I thought if I give you 30 minutes, am I really being true to myself that I'm actually here to figure it out? So he says, I went online. He says, I looked at your website, I saw, and he says, I just looked for whatever max amount I could take. And he said, I just saw that you had a 90-minute session. That was the most. He says, and I booked it. I didn't care what it cost. And he said, because if I think about how much money I'm spending per session in therapy, and he said, the fact that I keep showing up and I keep blocking my own therapist with my own freaking attitude, and he says, my unwillingness to see certain things, and my inability to recall my childhood. Time out. I, I hope people can rewind this and hear that Roger was willing to go to therapy, wanted to go to therapy, knows that he hit gold with his wife and wants to work hard and is still capable of running into the kinds of blocks that he has run into, mm-hmm. still willing to brick wall someone when he wants to go to therapy to help himself. Mm-hmm. I just, I think this is a really important moment in the session because I think people can sometimes think like, well, once I'm willing, everything's going to be easier and I want to be here. So obviously we're going to work through things. It's like, no, we're still going to run into a kind of resistance that we all have within ourselves to want to avoid something, to want to deny something, to want to run from something, right? So there's there are still blocks, even when we have the best of intentions, and we still need help through them. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're a failure, and that doesn't mean you suck at it. It just means that you're in the process. Kelly, I'm also so grateful that we get to have these gifts where we get to watch a baby, you know, how many decades ago, and and see how it was raised, how it was nurtured or not. But also to know that the spirit guides are there for him to answer the questions. We have access to his mom's spirit guides, his dad's, and his siblings, so that we understand intention. We understand the training that got involved versus their personalities. Because when he dove into asking those questions, we, we need to go directly to each person's soul to understand what they were going through at that time and currently. Yeah, to know what was personal and what wasn't. Yes. So I'm so I'm so grateful for the entire team 
that shows up when a person makes a phone call and says, oh, and, you know, looks at the 30 or the 60 or the 90 minute, like Roger was doing, and says, oh, I'm going to book an appointment, and I'm going to try open, I'm going to see what happens. And the spirit guides on the other side go, as soon as they go, click, (laughs) you know, to hit the button to book the appointment. And all this whole group of beings on the other side get together and come through and go, okay. We have an appointment. (laughs) We have an appointment. This whole family of souls has an appointment. That to me is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that we have the ability to help people in a way that can really help the therapist do not, and, and I'm not saying they can't do their jobs without us. That's not my implication here. Mm-hmm. But but perhaps that we get to give them a little piece so that the therapist goes, okay, I know what to do with that. Or just feel validated in it, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, this was a great session. I'm really happy for Roger, mm-hmm. especially happy for his wife and his children mm-hmm. um, to have to have someone doing their work to have a healthier family. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.